All right, guys, we have a really cool episode today on the Gym Lords Podcast for you. I am going to be interviewing Bryce Henson. He is the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp, an incredible franchise that helps serve thousands of people um, around the world. And we have a chance to do this. And what's really cool is his transformation from literally growing up in a trailer park to becoming the CEO of a incredible fitness franchise. So you guys are in for a lot of really cool things. He's got some great nuggets that he's going to drop. There's a lot of things that we agree upon. So there's a lot of really cool stuff, but he's also going to showcase his knowledge of what he he's seeing in the industry. So stay tuned and enjoy. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Kale Lauren, one of the couple hosts that we have here. And I am extremely excited, extremely honored to have Bryce Henson, the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp on today. We're going to dig in, learn a little bit about his story, how he went from a two location gym owner to being the CEO of Fit Body. We're going to talk about some of the data that he's seeing right now in the in across over 500 different locations for Fit Body. And we're just going to dive into some of the things that he sees gym owners making, both the successes and the mistakes that they're making that may be keeping them from succeeding. So super excited about today. Bryce, thank you for making the time, man, and hopping on. Hey, buddy. Super excited. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, man. I've been, uh, we've kind of had to move this a little bit because the event and everything. So I'm very excited. Again, I'm super thankful. I am very humbled that you would take the time and be okay with us uh, pushing this back a little bit. So again, thanks for fitting this into your schedule, man. I Dude, appreciate it. All good. And I was even pressed on we were talking offline because you just had this massive event in Orlando and I was actually blown yeah. away where our fired out already on this uh, Tuesday to hit the show, but happy to serve. And this is going to be great. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome, man. Awesome. Let's start real quick. Let's give a little backstory just in case someone doesn't understand. So I don't, you don't have to go too crazy in detail, but would love to know a little bit about your story starting in the fitness industry and what has led you to where you are now. Cause you're the CEO of a massive fitness franchise that doesn't come by mistake or just by luck. And so you have put yourself in the right position at the right time and acquired the right skill sets along the way to put you in a position where you were leading hundreds of locations. And so what I'd like to know is just, who is Bryce Henson? Where did he come from? And how did he get to where we are today? I appreciate that. Um, I'll give you very high level. Originally from the Southeast, uh, I actually come from very humble beginnings from first world standards. My father, not to get too deep, was a drug addict, is alcoholic, and is addicted to gambling. I come, my first house was a trailer park in the backwoods of Georgia. So I just showcased that just because definitely didn't come from a silver spoon and many of your audience didn't either. Uh, so it doesn't matter how far you want to go. It doesn't matter how where you've came from. Uh, ultimately, you are more, I guess, empowered and capable than you think. Um, so that really, that was kind of my foundation uh, to, you know, for my life, Kale. Uh, but then fast forward, my mom got us out of that really challenging situation. And I grew up the rest of my later part of my adult or uh, childhood, I should say, in the state of Michigan. So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, great place, amazing salt of the earth people. Oh, but yeah. One of the things that we can agree on, probably not the fitness capital of the world. So uh, I definitely was not, you know, a four spart, a four spart athlete. Um, I wasn't, you know, athletic. I didn't have my nutrition dialed in by any stretch of the imagination. Now, candidly, I can't say that I was obese, but when I was 21 years old and I graduated from, from school and moved out to Southern California, I was not the epitome of fitness. And while I was excited to get to California, the sunshine, the beaches, the palm trees, all that LA has to offer, yeah. LA can also be the plastic capital of the world when you're 21, yeah. 3,000 miles from home, don't have energy, enthusiasm, confidence, you're not fit, and you have very little professional skills to offer the world. So that was kind of my landing, if you will, um, you know, growing up and then getting out west to start my professional career. And to kind of uh, give you a little bit more of what you're looking for, how I got to start the fitness uh, industry, um, I lived that way in Los Angeles for a couple of years, had more dark days than good, but fortuitous situation happened. And one of my, one of my best friends, who was my first fitness mentor, his name was Adam, 
he moved out to Southern California. And uh, finally, after a few months, I finally mustered up enough courage to say, Adam, can you teach me a little about this fitness thing? And he turned to me, he was like, Bryce, I thought you'd never ask. Uh, but he, what he said was, which I love, which is absolutely amazing coaching, a great takeaway for your audience. He said, um, I will show you everything that I know, but I want you to train how I want you to train. I'm going to teach you how I want you to eat, but I need you to commit for at least 90 days. Cause you, how, you saw how many guys at college used to ask me how to get fit and how many actually stuck with it. And the answer yeah. was virtually zero. So he said, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. And after the 90 days, if this is for you, awesome. If it's not, no worries either. But at least uh, we can give it both a fair shot. And I'm so so glad, uh, thankful that he got my commitment um, prior because, as we know, starting anything new, whether it's a business or a fitness routine or nutrition protocol, it's definitely challenging at first. But I put one foot in front of the other. And really, I trained with him for a bit better part of two years uh, but really, the first six months, I hyper-focused my result. And really, what he did was he introduced me to circuit training, lifting weights, clean nutrition, but most importantly, coaching and accountability. And Kale, I know you and your audience you know, have a big, uh, I guess, affinity for that. And it certainly worked for me, and it changed my life. So I guess that was the start of how I really got involved and in, in, had my inspiration in fitness. And I can certainly jump into how I became a uh, gym owner here. So I guess just guide me along. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. It's cool because you talk about accountability, right? We talk about the three pillars of transformation that everyone needs to see, not just quick success, but sustainable success in fitness, right? So when we talk to gym owners, and we talk about what they need to provide for their clients. It's fitness, which everyone does, right? But it's also nutrition, but more importantly, accountability. Like we're not in the gym business, we're in the coaching and relationship business. So I love that you learned that like right away. Wow. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's really like that worked for me. And that's why I was so passionate about it. Yeah. Um, but that's really like the where we we are in the space and really how we get our clients great results. I love it. So when did you open up your two locations? How did you get connected with FitBody? Yeah, so I guess I'll kind of uh, start there. So after, you know, going through my tra own transformation, never did it occur to me actually could be a professional fitness, um, you know, person. And uh, in fact, my sales career, I went from the least performing sales rep in the company all the way to the highest performing sales rep in the company within a six month clip. The only thing that changed was my fitness, you know, of course, my energy, my confidence, the way I used to show up in meetings. Uh, so that was kind of the spark. But I remember a guy walking up to me at the gym after about two years in my journey. And he's like, hey, I want to introduce myself. You know, uh, I see you lifting weights. I was curious how you, you know, what your nutrition protocol is. And that was like the light bulb, Kale, that was like, oh, wow, I can actually give this gift back. Never, though, did I think I was going to make a full-time thing of it. But I thought, you know what, might as well get, you know, certified through National Academy of Sports Medicine, one of the gold standards in personal training, you know, train some clients in the nights and weekends, kind of give back. And that was really my thought. And that's what I did. You know, ultimately, I, you know, spent six months, I got my CPT. And then I started receiving ads from this gentleman named Bedros Koulian, who you might know is the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp. And this is back in 2009, 2010. So, you know, years ago, um, but I was interested. So at that point, the light bulb went on. Um, so I started paying attention to this little thing called Fit Body Bootcamp that he was talking about. And actually, uh, taking a, a quick hiatus, I took a two year sabbatical, I went down to South America, I'd always wanted to learn another language, live in another country. So while I was, you know, kind of learning about Fit Body from afar, I was kind of having this awesome life experience that really fitness gave me the foundation for that confidence to move. And you're fluent in Brazilian Portuguese, right? I am. Yeah. So I also there. have, I think you have a dual citizenship, right? You have United States and Portugal. I do. Yeah. So yeah, that's incredible, man. 
all kind of worked out from that experience, you know, living in Brazil, beautiful culture, language, and just had an awesome, you know, remission experience. But I appreciate you bringing that up. I showcase that because without fitness, without my transformation, without the confidence, the energy, no way that would ever happen. So, you know, fitness certainly does way more than just the aesthetic look, uh, which is really my my message. But that all aside, um, when I was coming back to the States in 2012, um, I started paying attention to this Fit by the Bootcamp thing that Bezos was talking about. At that point, it was a licensee program transferring into a franchise model. And I followed along. I put in my expressor of interest, my application, and did all my diligence and did the most exciting slash scariest thing I possibly could do at that period of my life, which was invest my life savings in this little dream of opening a gym underneath the Fit Body Bootcamp umbrella. And that's actually how I got my first location started in Orange County, California, which then in 2012, 2018 led to you know me scaling five locations, bringing my family involved. And of course, I'm giving the highlights. There was a lot of lowlights yeah. and learning lessons and trials and leadership lessons. But really, that was how I got my foot in the door as being a gym owner, a multi-location gym owner, and then really kind of eventually got a seat at the table to oversee the brand. I love it. Do you still own the five locations? So what I did, I no, I don't own all five. I still own one. So I own Mission okay. Viejo uh, Fit Body, which is in South Orange County here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to me to still have one location because it keeps me grounded to my franchise. Um, not only am I the Fit Body Bootcamp CEO, but I'm also a Fit Body Bootcamp client. I'm a Fit Body coach. I'm a Fit Body owner. Uh, so it keeps me grounded. And Kale, I know you know you have a lot of respect for that being in the trenches for a long period of time. Oh yeah. So, um, but that all said, I ended up selling my other four locations very profitably, I might add, which is really, you know, the, right. another value in the system. Um, but that allowed me to kind of, you know, put more focus in terms of overseeing our, our franchise. I think that's great. I think too many people, I mean, I sold my gym back in 2019, so I'm not even in it, but I still have a lot of our people that we have coaches and we have our general manager here at Gym Launch where they, he still owns his gym. And I think it's great because like you said, you still get to be in the trenches. You still get to really understand and stay grounded. It's also great for us. Like we do so much testing. It's also great to like test a bunch of things, see what's working, see what's not working. You get to truly understand that and see that for real, um, which is exceptional. Not a lot of people do that. So real quick, walk me through FitBody, multi-location owner, scaling it. Now you're the CEO. What was the transition from that to CEO? Because you have to basically replace Bedros, correct? Was there anyone between you and Bedros? No. So, I mean, he, to Bedros's credit, I mean, he built, you know, the franchise off his back and certainly he, you know, acquired many awesome teammate member or teammates throughout the years. Um, but in 2012 to 2018, that was kind of my run um, as a gym owner. And certainly I still am, but my focus has definitely shifted to now overseeing the brand. But, it, you know, I learned a lot about training and uh, sales and marketing and direct sales and um, just a lot of uh, client inter- interaction. So just invaluable experience. And our brand was really starting to grow, uh, grow hockey stick growth uh, at that period of time. So Bedros actually reached out to me in 2018 timeframe. And at that point, I had multiple gyms, had a lot of success, was, you know, had a lot of clout in the brand. And had a strong relationship with him. I was invested in his mastermind and coaching, uh, additional coaching program. So I'm a huge believer in coaching. It's really been back to my life. So certainly, you know, continue to invest in that for myself and my team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2018, our brand was really starting to, you know, really experience that hockey stick growth. So he reached out to me. He offered me the vice president role. And at that point, he gives me a hard time. He's a great uh, storyteller. Um, I did not say no at first, but I ultimately had to set up a few meetings over a few a period, a few months just to yeah. test out to make sure, hey, this is something I really want to do because, you know, Kale, you and I, hard charging entrepreneurs, had our vision set. I had plans at opening and scaling 10 locations. But what occurred to me at the time in uh, one of my follow up conversations with Bedros, I was like, you know what? I think I can actually, even though my vision was to, you know, scale to 10 locations, I can actually 
actually have a bigger impact if I adjust course, really dedicate myself to leadership and overseeing the, the actual franchise, and it can touch more lives in the process. So that's actually how they made the decision there to become the VP. And then, you know, battling through COVID and the last few years have been wild for us all. Uh, certainly, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you certainly uh, you know felt the brunt of that. But uh, ultimately, in 2021, as Bedros's empires expanded, he's you know uh, launched nutrition companies and other coaching programs. Um, you know, offered me and asked me to assume the CEO CEO role. So that's how this kid from a trailer park in Southeast uh, Georgia that literally was allergic to lifting weights, Taco Bell was a staple of his diet, ended up figuring out how to be a certified personal trainer. A gym owner, a multi-location uh, multi gym owner, and then eventually the CEO of the brand. So just to put a bow on that, if this guy can do it, my message to you and your audience is you are more capable than you possibly can think. Dude, I love it. It's so inspirational, man. That's amazing. I love that story. Tell me, we're big about skill stacking, right? And so acquiring new skills. And so you didn't just wake up one day and have the skill set needed to be a CEO of a major franchise. So what, in your opinion, as you began to grow and take on this role, Leading up to this point, can you pinpoint maybe one or two skills that you had to really work to acquire along the way to be in the position that you're at now? Totally. Great question, Kale. I appreciate that. For sure, the first skill set that I learned, actually even before I became a gym owner, was the salesmanship, which I talked about, which is really conversion, right? So I was working for a company, and the company was in charge of lead generation. So I would get basically a produced lead to me. It was my job to take that lead and convert that into a full-paying um, client. And that was my first skill set that I learned. So I knew I had confidence uh, when I started uh, the gym business that I could actually make that conversion from a salesmanship perspective. But Kale, what I didn't have the skill set was the lead generation, making the phone lead, uh, ring, right? And then of yep. course, the fulfillment, the operations, the leadership, all the other things and skill sets that are needed. But for me, the foundationary skill was, was salesmanship. Then what I learned, and I'll kind of uh, un unpack the kimono, if you will, uh, very humbling, what I realized is I did not acquire or I had not acquired a strong amount of leadership skills at that point because I was all fired up. I was the gym owner. I was the coach. I was like, all right, cool. I'm delivering my you know clients awesome results. When some other coach that I hire comes on, they're going to do the exact same thing. And mm -hmm. boy, was I mistaken. It's not my coach's fault. It was my job or my fault for not being a strong leader, strong communicator, presenting the vision, presenting training, providing feedback. So I guess I, you know, kind of got a little bit ahead of myself. But the second skill set, Kale, that I realized I needed to learn was that of leadership. And certainly I've developed so much uh, skill set in the last 10 years, but I still have a very long way to go. And for me, you know, that becoming a, a level five leader, according to John Maxwell, uh, who's a New York Times bestselling author, many awesome books who I really, you know, follow his, uh, his, his guidance on leadership. For me, that's the pinnacle and something that, you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to, you know, to acquire. I love that. There's one key component to this that I really like is the fact that you, like many other successful people, understand that the learning and growing never stops. And it's just constant, right? We talk like for us, it's like old news, right? Because it's just, it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our identity every single day. We're like, we need to acquire new skills. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to challenge ourselves. We need to put ourselves in a position to challenge ourselves. And yet we just came off a three-day event. And you see this a lot too. A lot of people are unwilling to put themselves in a position to be challenged, to grow. They prefer the status quo. They prefer all these things. And it's interesting because no one has ever gotten to the heights of where you're at or anyone has ever reached any significant amount of success, no matter what, whether it's relative to them or anyone else, or maybe they're Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, 
without putting themselves in positions to grow, take risks and be challenged. And for anyone listening right now, like if there's anything, and you've probably heard this throughout multiple different episodes on this podcast, the people that see the most success consistently put themselves in positions to be challenged and to grow. And so number one, like I have a massive amount of respect. I mean, this is literally the first time we're talking, right? But I have a massive amount of respect for you because understanding what you've had to go through, even just a little bit, I don't know the full story. I don't know everything, but just seeing where you come from and where you are today. And just the man sitting across the zoom room from me, I understand has put in the work and is willing to continue to put in the work to help the people that you're that both you lead and your franchisees to be able to reach more people and change more lives. So just kudos to you, man. I had to take a little quick detour. Um, it's very inspiring. Well, dude, I, I appreciate that. It's interesting. We've known each about each other for a little bit of time now, and this is the first time we're talking, which is really cool. I want to flip it back to you. I'm genuinely interested because I have, have a mutual adoration, respect for you, Kale, as well. Uh, for me, my story was learning the salesmanship, then mm-hmm. the leadership, and then marketing, which I guess we can talk about. But for you, I'm curious from that skill stacking um, equation, what was your kind of uh, path, if you will? Literally the exact same. I started in sales. Sales was my first thing. The power of, for me, I guess, would be the power of influence, acquiring that skill set to be able to influence people. Um, and then from there, it was the very next thing that I learned because being a gym owner, I, I acquired, you have to acquire those skill sets very rapidly, but on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. right? Because you're leading less people. You also, the money, while it may seem like a lot, is relative compared to when you're in different positions, right? And then, right. From scaling those, it was very, it went from sales to marketing, to running the marketing division, to fulfillment, like seeing all of those. And then now it's definitely just leading. I think the biggest gap, and I spoke about this um, at our event, and you probably understand this very, very intimately. The biggest gap and the biggest jump and transformation that has to happen with someone is when they go from being the doer of all of the things to being the leader of all of the people. And that, that bridge that has to be crossed can be full of little holes, little potholes, little slats that you might slip through and little things and little hurdles that have to be jumped over in order to get across. But once you get across that, you then are able to make an even bigger impact. No oh, matter what. So it's, it's constant. Like it's, it's constant. It's always a, a something that I'm trying to get better at, something that I'm always trying to grow and learn from and, and grab as much as I possibly can from the people that I'm around, individuals like yourself, people that I can put myself in the room with. Um, so yeah, very similar path. That's a, that's amazing. And to your story about, you know, when you first are the doer of the things, and then you need to transition to the leader of the people. I mean, that was my story right there. I was the doer of the things. I was excited. My gym was open. My clients were there. I was rocking sessions. Yeah. I was the doer of the things, yes. but it was just the most humbling moment, Kale, when I brought on my first couple of coaches and when yeah. I kind of laid out the direction and they just did not do the things to my level of expectation, I realized yeah. that was on me. I did, was not a good. Uh, I was not doing a good job leading the people. So I can really relate to a lot of what you just said there, and have a lot of respect for it. Moving forward, what's the skill set right now that you're personally working on? What is a, a gap for you that you see? Because you you seem very self aware. Where's what is something besides leadership? What's a skill set you're looking to acquire right now that you're working on? It's another, it's like the trifecta for me. It's salesmanship, it's leadership, and it's marketing. Um, okay. You know, these skill sets for me, I mean, they're very high income, they're very high impact, they're very high value skills. Just like with even leadership to this day, I've acquired a good amount of marketing skill sets over the last decade of being in the trenches, direct sales yeah. or direct marketing, um, direct response, you know, f- following, you know, the the legends in the industry, um, you know, for, for a long period of time. But the amount of knowledge is one of those things is as you get older and you get more mature and really more dialed in, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. So for me, um, I don't want to say, hey, 
I only have to learn marketing. That's my only focus. No, I mean, I have a lot more learning to do in a wide variety of skills, like putting deals together and, um, you know, raising capital and, you know, bigger, bigger, you know, higher end things as, you know, my business career grows. But for me, I mean, I have so much respect for both salesmanship, leadership, and marketing that these three trifectas are, I've learned a lot. I've, you know, developed a lot, but I still have so much uh, longer to go. And even for, you know, uh, right now is shooting this podcast, you know, being able to get our message out to the people that need to hear it. Um, mm -hmm. There's an art to that. There's a skill set to that to be able to communicate and storytell. So these are all things that I'm continuing to work on. And like I said, I mean, I feel uh, proud of my progress, but Kale, holy smokes, the mountain is still high. I still have that white metal mentality because that's what's got me here. And I know having that mindset will still uh, will allow me to get to the next level as well. I love it. I love it. Now, I want to talk. This is actually what I really want to talk about. And this is for anyone listening. So you have access to a lot of data. You get to see a lot of things in the industry, right? And yeah. so obviously, don't give us anything that you can't give us. But I'm curious for you, and I'm going to start broad right now, because you're seeing a lot of things in the industry across the board, both good and bad. What's something that you're seeing that you really like, whether it's in Fitbody or somewhere in the industry, that's really good, like a trend prediction, whatever it is that you feel is a good thing moving forward for the fitness industry. And then I'm going to reverse it and ask you something that's maybe isn't a value add or a negative that you're starting to see in the industry. Ooh, I know. Um, that's a great question. So for me, it's interesting. Um, you know, COVID definitely woke us up, uh, woke us all up, or at least I should say, I hope it did just yeah. to really the, the true value of health and wellness and, you know, having a proactive approach. Um, so not only from the aesthetic perspective of losing weight, which is really important. I mean, shoot our society right now, nearly 50% of the U S population is statistically obese. And that's a really challenging thing from the healthcare perspective, from a cost perspective, from a mental, you know, health depression, anxiety, prescription drugs, big pharma, and there's a lot of complications. So what we do is extremely valuable. And certainly the last few years, hopefully have shown a light on that. For me, what I'm seeing is, you know, as our baby boomers are, you know, the population is getting older, uh, the baby boomer generation, while they don't maybe have the same desires to, you know, get into their skinny jeans or have six pack abs, they certainly want to look good. They certainly want to feel good. And they still certainly want to have a lot of mo mobility later in years in life. And if you look at actually the data from, you know, the wealth of our country, I mean, half of the wealth uh, of our nation is tied up, you know, to people in their 50s, 60s, you know, later in life uh, that baby baby boomer generation. So uh, for me, what I'm seeing in a, a licensee program we launched within Fit Body Bootcamp is a fit, it's called Fit Body Forever. And it's a program designed and targeted to the quote unquote mature older adults who are 55 and up. And we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months, that program really start to catch hold. And it's been inspiring because, you know, we know this to be true, the fulfillment that we get in the gym business, when you help someone with their nutrition or fat loss, or they're, you know, hitting their goals and that just changes their life. For the baby boomer population, not only is the data there, the trend is moving that direction, uh, the wealth is moving in that direction, but also too, the amount of gratitude and impact you have on someone's life when you are able to put them in a situation where they can take a trip or they can, you know, play with or watch their grandkids. From my level and my, or I should, I should say level, my perspective, Kale, is so much more gratifying um, than maybe some of the other uh, types of, I guess, uh, training clients that uh, I've been, been able to train over the years. So for me, it's watching the baby boomer population have a big need as they progress later in life is a huge, I guess, need and also opportunity for the gym owners in the business. I love that. I love that. I couldn't agree more. On the other side, what's something that you're seeing in the industry that you're like, eh, I don't see this lasting or I don't see this as a value add right now, especially when you're thinking about it from a gym owner standpoint? 
That's a tough one. I'm going to flip it back on you just to get, you know, I want some of your perspective and I can probably like add lit or, or add on to that. Uh, yeah. Something doesn't strike me, but give me, give me some of your thoughts on what you're saying. I have something that's, uh, that probably goes against what most people think. And that is, I think wearable tech and a lot of tech, I think is overrated. Um, and the reason why is because at the end of the day, you still need accountability. And the reason why is like, you could have, you have Peloton, which is technology within equipment in and of itself. You've got tonal, you've got all these other things, but at the end of the day, as humans, we still need accountability and wearable tech will only bring attention to and change behavior just by small degrees, right? It does. And that's great. But at the end of the day, there's more tech available to so many different people today. And yet obesity still continues to climb. So wearable tech in and of itself is not the answer. And for me, I think too many times we, I see a lot of franchises, not yours. I see a lot of other franchises and I see a lot of gym owners get caught up in new wearable tech or new technology. When it's like at the end of the day, people still right now until weight loss, clinical weight loss drugs are more widespread and a lot easy, like a lot more accessible to everyone. They still have to move. They still have to eat better and they still have to make sure that they're getting, they have the right people in their life and in their corner, holding them accountable and helping them when they hit those roadblocks. So for me, it's wearable tech is something that I see as it's a nice, it's something nice to have and it's great to provide some metrics. But at the end of the day, it's not going to have the impact that I think a lot of people believe it will. Dude, man, so aligned. And I could not agree with you more on this. And actually, I look at it, um, not only just wearable tech, which I couldn't agree with you more. I definitely, you know, there's value there, but people mm -hmm. think it's the end all be all. But really, right. at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, what business are you in? And I heard this for many years, like, oh, boot camp's a fad or circuit training's a fad or CrossFit's a trad or fad or whatever the case may be. But you actually have to take a step back and you can even say wearable tech's a fad, you know, in, in that particular, like, you know, line mm -hmm. of thinking. But if you actually take a step back and realize like, what business are you in as a coach? You are in the relationship business. You are in the accountability. We are tribal beings. I mean, we evolve from caves and cavemen and having fires. And so there is something very magical about you know, interpersonal uh, connection and having deep relationships. And it doesn't actually matter for me what your mod modality is, whether it's powerlifting or circuit training or CrossFit or whatever the case may be. What I'm in is in the relationship business and the coaching business. And to your point, like human to human, People love to be accountable to other people. They, they actually don't, they, they will disappoint themselves. They will also disappoint technology way more than they'll disappoint uh, someone who cares about them, someone who's their coach, someone who has a relationship with them. So for me, Kale, you said it in a different way, but I always ask my, you know, challenge my franchise partners, what business are we really in? We're in the business of connection, relationships, and accountability. 1,000%. 1000%. I love it. So let's look at your franchise real quick. So when you're looking at franchisees across the board, you have a ton and you're seeing some that are struggling. I want to get kind of tactical as some advice for anyone that's listening from your perspective as someone who gets to oversee a massive, successful, incredible franchise that's changing thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives. When you have a franchisee that is struggling, right? Maybe they're just not seeing the growth that they want, the impact that they want. What's typically when you look at this in your experience, what's really the primary or biggest thing that they're maybe doing wrong or they need to fix? Ooh, that's an awesome loaded question, but hey. I think it's a very good question at that. For me and what I've learned, I was literally just talking with my coaching and profitability team and my director of um, 
marketing. And what we realized is like, you know, with all the output and there's systems, the prop process, the marketing campaigns that we push out um, that, you know, many of our franchise partners, they take, they attack, and they basically, you know, get a lot of results from it, but there's some that don't. And that's just human nature, uh, you know, across the board. What I think it, uh, at least what we've defined as from a mental perspective, the characteristics of the most successful franchise partners are the ones who have a healthy respect for sales and marketing, have a healthy understanding and respect for it. Because I think what happens is, you know, sometimes people will join a brand and think, okay, I don't have to learn how to sell. I don't have to learn how to market. I just am going to throw the brand up and all of a sudden clients are going to come to me. And certainly, my friend, there is a lot of value in having a brand. There's a lot of support and the coaching and all those standard operating procedures that, you know, go along with it. But at the end of the day, any business entrepreneur, whether it's in the fitness space, whether it's in the tech space, it doesn't actually matter. They have to have an understanding and respect for the sales and marketing of a business. And certainly, Kale, watching you and Jim launch you know, over the years, I know your organization has probably the utmost respect for that. So I have so, so much accolades there. We've learned a lot over the years and actually you know, taken a lot and you know, put our own spin on it. But I think when you break it down, the most successful franchise partners in our brand, and I would just dare to say business owners in general have that healthy uh, respect for sales and marketing and are a student of it i love it couldn't agree more i mean they're right there's three ways to grow a business right you can get more clients you can get your clients to pay you more every single month or whenever they're paying you and then you can get them to stay longer right which is kind of a combination of the second one as well and so those three ways the one that i think everyone likes to focus on but i don't know if they acquire the skill sets correctly is that one of getting more clients and when they spend more time or at least a little bit more of a focus on that we start to see at least on our side and i'm sure you see it on your side but on our side when they have that healthy respect like you mentioned they grow so much faster than when they don't and then they don't have this mentality of if i build it they will come they realize that there is work that i have to put in and there are systems that i have to follow and put in place and once you do that, you really get to have the impact that you truly want to, which is why do we all get into this fitness world is to help change more lives, right? Help and so without, yeah, without that, it's really hard to to be able to acquire new clients and be able to change more lives. So I love that. What's um what's next for Fitbody, man? What's next for you? What's next for Fitbody? What's on the horizon? Well, to the moon, my friend. I mean, we just launched our Fitbody uh, Forever program. Speaking of technology, we, we have an awesome technology partner. We're continuing to build and grow. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, COVID was not kind to us. I'll be very candid with you. 2020, 2021 were really tough years, but I'm very, ha- very happy to report uh, that two, tw- 2022 is a really, really strong year already right. in Q1 and Q2 this year is shaping up to be really strong. So the, the exciting thing is, and I'm hopefully that, you know, our world and, you know, our communities have got the wake up call that, hey, health and fitness is important. I need to reinvest in that. And certainly the growth of our franchise partners have, you know, we've seen that over the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, So that's really exciting, um, you know, and what's on the forefront. So I guess from my lens, I kind of put a pull on that, continue to build infrastructure, continue to support our franchise partners, continuing to really uh, provide uh, them access to all the resources so that they can achieve the success that they're destined for. And we have two missions here at Fitbody internally from a headquarters team is really to support our franchise franchise partners grow their income through impact. And that's why, you know, you and I are in this game. And then globally, our global uh, mission is to inspire fitness and change lives every day and and way more than a tagline. I mean, why I started with my story, why I talked about my transformation story. You know, I was the kid who, you know, wasn't confident, didn't have the self-esteem, you know, didn't have the know-how to basically put myself in a better uh, position in a lot in life. And for me, I found that through fitness. And for me, this is a passion-based business and why I'm so jacked up. And I know you are as well. 
I love it, man. I could not have said it better. So I'm just going to stop right there. So dude, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. You're super busy. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, sharing your vision, and then obviously some really tactical things that I think our listeners will grab a lot of value from. So Bryce, thank you so much. Gail, uh, pleasure's mind. And until next time, my friend. Awesome.